Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Step Back, the alternative sports commentary uh, podcast, I guess you could call it, but it's really like a social media presence, and like sometimes I'll randomly upload a podcast, um, especially around the time of the NBA Finals is when I do um, a lot of podcasts every year, and then periodically just kind of at random times throughout the year, but I have a focus both on sports and on politics. When I say politics, I mean not just like politicians, but uh, racial issues, gender issues that are involved with sports and that are connected in different ways. So I'll, I usually do a little bit of both. Um, and that's, it seems like it's becoming more common for that to happen on shows like First Take and First Things First and all that shit. Uh, they'll, they'll talk about some of these issues too, but they always seem very po- apologetic about it almost. Like they have to justify why they talk about it. Um, but I don't give a fuck. I'm talking about it. So you're welcome. Um, but today what I wanted to talk about, especially, uh, cause it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I just kind of wanted to, to recap a little bit about the NBA playoffs. And then I want to talk about, uh, the Sterling Brown, uh, Milwaukee Bucks player who was, uh, racially profiled by police and, and wrongly arrested and not only arrested, but tased by police as well. Um, so let's start with the... The playoffs, Cavs and Warriors in the finals for the fourth time in a row. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like a LeBron person, so I don't really mind that much because I did not really. I'm invested in seeing LeBron, his narrative kind of play out. And so I would have been disappointed if he wasn't in the NBA finals, even though this Cavs team, nobody wants to watch this trash ass Cavs team in the finals like the Cavs are not really that fun of a team to watch you know like I'm for some reason invested in LeBron James because I mean I I think he's the best player ever but I also think he's one of the most important athletes ever too in terms of his you know there's the basketball arguments that people have about MJ versus uh, LeBron but beyond that I think he's just a very important athlete that the world has never really seen before in terms of just how he conducts himself in terms of not only that he speaks out on social issues but the way that he does it he's like really smart about how he does it so I'm invested in LeBron in lots of different ways and I think he's an amazing player to watch because I think he controls the game in ways that people don't even really understand especially if you haven't really played organized basketball before um, but as for the rest of the Cavs, like, it's, it's not fun to watch. I mean, what, what do they even do that's fun to watch? Like, they don't ever run the floor. Like, I don't know what it is, but, like, fast breaks have totally just been killed, it seems like. I don't know if it's, like, a league-wide thing, but the Cavs are certainly fucking killing that part of the game. I mean, Jeff Green last game had you know, two or three layups in transition and everybody acts like, you know, it was like some huge thing. Like, that should be more normal. Like, I'm fucking sick of this half-court offense shit. Um, But anyway, the Cavs made it back to the finals and, you know, so there's, I think a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about it. I really wanted the Rockets to win. Um... The fucking Golden State Warriors are 
in addition to being one of the most talented, probably the most talented team ever. I, I don't think they're the best team ever. I would say that the Bulls, uh, Jordan's Bulls, some iterations of that, uh, of that, those teams that he had in the 90s were better than these Warriors. But these Warriors are the most talented team ever. Um, but on top of being the most talented team ever, they're also one of the fucking luckiest teams ever. I mean, look at their run to the playoffs this year. First round, they play the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard's out. For the second time, for the second year in a row, too. So that's not even a real series because the other team's best player is out. Next, who do they have? They had the. Uh, they had the fucking. I don't even remember right now. But then CP3 gets hurt. They're down three to two, and CP3 gets hurt. And misses the last two games of this series, and they uh, fucking come back to win. So, you know, that's a whole lot of luck. Like, nobody, everybody wants to talk about how the Cavs have it easy in the East. What about the Warriors? Yeah, the West is obviously a better conference, but, like, everybody's fucking hurt. Oh, they had the Pelicans. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But Boogie Cousins is hurt. You know, one of the, probably not the best. I think Anthony Davis is better, but, like... The second best player on their team is hurt. I think the the Pelicans probably could have done some damage, you know. I don't think the Pelicans necessarily would have won, but it would have made it really difficult on them. I think the Warriors also would have still beat the Spurs, but that wouldn't have been an easy series either with Kawhi. So, come on. They just made it through the Western Conference. Every series, somebody's fucking hurt. Like a major player, not just like a side character. Like either number one or the number two guy on each of those teams was out. So fuck the Warriors. I'm sick of the Warriors. I like a lot of them as individual players. Klay Thompson's okay. Actually, I don't like a lot of them. The only one I like is uh, Steph Curry. Steph is the shit. I think he's changed the game in so many ways. Like he's had such a huge impact. Uh... KD's uh, motherfucker. I don't really care about KD. Draymond. Oh my god, I hate Draymond so much. And I, I should like him because I'm from Michigan. I love Detroit sports. I'm usually like very prideful if somebody's from Michigan and is like doing good things in, in professional sports. But like Draymond, I think it's probably just one of those things. He's like the kind of guy that you hate him if he's on the other team. But if he's on your team, you love him. So it's just that kind of thing. Like, he's the villain. So whatever. But I'm just fucking sick of these dudes, man. Like, they're all annoying. They all just, like, complain. Like, if they... I don't mind you talking shit. I, I like shit talk. But, like, they just complain after every single fucking call that gets made. And it's like, dude, you are already the most talented team ever. You already get, like, every call. Just stop complaining. But anyway, so that's where we're at. Um, the Warriors got extremely lucky again with this playoff run. The Cavs are being dragged, kicking and screaming into the NBA Finals by LeBron. Um, <laughs> I like how everybody's acting like Jeff Green having 19 points is like the second coming of Christ. Like it is a big deal because it's like Game Seven. Kevin Love is out, etc. But like. That that's where we're at with the Cavs is like somebody else getting 19 points is an extremely big deal. 
So that tells you how horrible things are for the Cavs because shit is bad. It's weird because they're, on paper they're, they should be better, right? Because when they made that trade at the deadline uh, for, you know, Nance and, and Hood and uh, the other two dudes, um, everybody was going ape shit, right? But they just have not played well. And part of that's just, you know, hard to do. It's hard to, like, pull a team together and totally change a team halfway through the season. And so the Cavs haven't really done that. It's not like they've meshed as a team at all. It's just LeBron is so great that they have been able to make it through thus far Basically just because of him and because here and there somebody will step up and make um, a few threes. You know, Kyle Korver, Jarrett Smith is absolute garbage. Um, Jeff Green will step up sometimes. And, you know, JR will have a game here or there. Like last game he had a few threes. Um, but mostly it's just been LeBron. So that's where we're at. I expect the... Warriors to probably sweep the Cavs. I don't see how the Cavs can even win a single game, to be honest. I just can't see it. Uh, Even if Iggy's hurt, I can't see it. And that's disappointing. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm pulling for the Cavs, obviously. So it's not like, you know, I want to make that argument, but it's just like I can't envision these Cavs coming out and playing well at all against the Warriors. Like, this might be... This has the potential of being the worst and most unevenly matched NBA Finals of all time. I truly believe that. But with that said, you know, you got LeBron James on on your team. So that is something very significant. Best player in the world. My opinion, the best player ever. And... I mean, you have a collection of dudes who are decent on paper. So you would think that hypothetically they could step up, but they just haven't been. So that's where we're at. Probably going to get swept, but also it's like LeBron James and these dudes who are supposed to be a little bit better than they've been playing. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't see how the Warriors even feel threatened for a brief period of time during this series. So we'll see. It starts uh, Thursday. So, you know, I'll do some other podcasts and and kind of recap uh, game one um, after it happens. Um, But, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at in terms of the NBA Finals. Especially after LeBron has made this run possible for the Cavs. People are always talking about LeBron versus MJ. Um, but those conversations seem even more prominent now that he's you know, brought his team back to the NBA Finals for the eighth straight time. And I think that that's justified. I want to acknowledge a few things here. I'm not going to get too deep into this bait, number one, because I'm sick of it. But um, I want to acknowledge a few things here that I think are kind of underemphasized when people have this conversation about MJ versus LeBron. One is that 
uh, who was it that was, people have been quoting lately? Oh, I think it was Kobe. I don't know if he tweeted it or something else, but but commentators have been quoting Kobe recently who made comments, and I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically Kobe was saying, like, why are you... Why are we always trying to tear one person down in order to uplift somebody else? So in other words, like, why do we have to destroy LeBron's legacy because we're trying to protect MJ's legacy why do, and vice versa? Why do we always have to do that? Um, and so I actually respect that uh, perspective a lot. Chris Carter, um, in response to Kobe's comments, said... Uh, something to the effect of like, you know, we should, yeah, I agree with Kobe, we should be treating basketball as an art form, not just as a sport. And I agree with that as well. Um, you know, this isn't, this is the analytics age, but like not everything's about fucking numbers and about wins and losses. It's about, you know, the feeling that players give you, the kind of character that they bring to the game. And basketball is much more creative. Like, it is obviously a competition, but it's much more creative than just that, right? And so you don't hear these kinds of conversations with art and music as often as you hear them in sports. Sometimes you'll talk about, you know, who's the best musician or or band of all time, but that's not really, like, a common conversation. You usually talk about, you know, who's your favorite player or who's your favorite musician or band of all time or whatever um and that's a little bit more subjective it's a it's acknowledging that that it's a subjective kind of topic and so i think there there's a lot to be said for that and that you know we've gotten in this mode of like constantly talking about lebron which i'm interested in but you know if if we viewed basketball as more of an art form i think that that would make space for other people you know i think the media feels like they need to talk about LeBron because they think he's the best and that that's why they should only cover him. Like, there's a lot going on. Um, Max Kellerman always says that, like, Wessel, uh, Russell Westbrook is his favorite player. He knows he's not the best player, but that's his favorite player to watch. Well, you know, that's, I think there's something to be said for that, too. Like, there's, there's different players who give you, who bring a different flavor to the game. And do things differently. And so I think that that's one valid point that's kind of underemphasized in these conversations. It's fine to have the LeBron versus MJ debate, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, there's a lot of different aspects to basketball that, that are worth talking about. So, so why be so obsessed with, you know, which one was better, so to speak? Um, so that was one aspect that I want to bring up. Another one is just something that's fucking annoying and it's annoying within the context of basketball because at the end of the day, you know, LeBron versus MJ, that's not really like that debate doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's not, you know, nobody's losing health care or, you know, nobody's dying. It's not a life or death kind of fucking debate. But there is an element of it about how the debate plays out that I think is important and relevant just to like our lives and to society, which is that. People who try to protect the legacy of MJ are unwilling to even acknowledge the possibility that somebody could be in the conversation with MJ. And I find that shit scary. Like, to, to me, it just makes whatever you're saying illegitimate. Because this is, what, this is how people defend MJ, is they, they say, 
He's the greatest player ever. Nobody else could even be in the conversation. So they're totally shutting themselves off to the possibility of new evidence that could, you know, change their opinion. Like, if you're not even willing to acknowledge the possibility of new evidence, or, or they'll, like, acknowledge it, but it'll be some unrealistic shit, like, well, if LeBron wins four more finals in a row, then come talk to me. Like, no, you don't get to totally control the debate in that way. You can't just say that, like, it's impossible, and therefore anything that anyone has to say is illegitimate. That's some Donald Trump type shit. That's how they control the narrative by just like totally cutting your legs out from from under you. They don't want to engage in actual conversation about it. So their only argument that they have is that, you know, whatever perspective you're going to offer is illegitimate. So they try to kill it before it even starts. And so that's my main issue with the with the whole debate is like that's totally like the normal sort of stance for MJ defenders, you know, Stephen A, fucking Skip Bayless, like anybody who, who's on the, the MJ train, you know, that's, I mean, Max is a little bit more flexible, Max Kellerman, but, you know, these people are just like totally shutting themselves off to new perspectives, and... You know, so I'm not really trying to have the debate today about who's better, even though I think it's uh, LeBron. Uh, But those are just a couple of things that I think are important to think about. Like, number one, the art form aspect of basketball, which obviously sports are competitive, but that doesn't mean that we only have to talk about them in competitive terms. We can just kind of appreciate uh, the character that people bring to the game. And then number two... You know, being open to new perspectives and new forms of evidence that might sway our opinions. That's important for for basketball. It's important for sports. It's important for just being in community and and being in society. You know, like that's why we're at where we're at politically and in terms of society as well with fucking Trump's America um, is because of people's unwillingness to see evidence that is being presented to them. So I think that that's also an appropriate transition into the second part of this uh, podcast, which, you know, I was planning on this being much shorter, but, you know, whatever. Um, This part might be a little bit briefer, and I just wanted to end by talking about the racial profiling of Sterling Brown, the Milwaukee Bucks player who, I don't know the exact date, but recently, within the last couple of weeks or so, was there was some kind of parking violation he had like it, it was weird like he was parked across two handicapped spots or some fucked up shit but like that's not actually the fucked up part of it like yeah okay whatever that's i don't know why he was doing that but he ended up being arrested and and tased and shit and it's just like is that really and and there was video ev- evidence um which apparently shows that you know, he didn't really resist or anything. So why is, you know, that's a parking violation. You probably just are supposed to get a ticket for it. And then even if for some reason you do get arrested, which you shouldn't, why the fuck are you tasing this dude who is in no way resisting? And so whatever, this is the oldest fucking, one of the oldest stories that we have in this country is of black people getting racially profiled and being, you know, officers, having officers exert like an undue amount of force 
upon them when they're being arrested. You know, so this is uh, what I wanted to comment on more specifically is on first things first, Chris Carter and Nick Wright responded to this. And uh, I think that, that politically, they're two of my favorite commentators. Um, I haven't heard everything that, that they think, so I don't. But at least in terms of like the intersection between race and sports. I think that a lot of times they have really interesting and important things to say. And so, you know, they responded to this incident with Sterling Brown and something Chris Carter said really stuck with me. He was asked, you know, do people like Sterling Brown have a responsibility to use their platform to try and change things? Because now that Sterling Brown has went through this, he's publicly acknowledged like, I want to use my platform to try and help people and, and to try and stop this from happening to other people. So Chris Carter was asked, do, people, do black athletes have this kind of responsibility? And I just kind of expected him to give some general answer in terms of like, yeah, you know, it's good to use your platform, whatever, which I do think that it is good. And I'm, sh- I'm sure that he would agree too. But what he actually, how he responded to that question was, he was like, no. This shit is not on black people. This is not on black athletes. Uh, because obviously black athletes have been trying to do this, number one. But also, like, why are you trying to shift the burden onto black athletes when it's white people who need to be the ones standing up and pushing for change? Like, stop putting that burden on black people to change this shit, this racist shit that, like, constantly is impacting them. And... You know, it was just a profound kind of perspective that he had on it. Um, just the, the passion that he kind of spoke from and the fact that he was saying, like, no. Because, like, obviously the answer, I think, is yes <laughs> to that question. Like, in a literal sense of, like, yeah, it's good if people want to use their platform, whatever. But also there's a deeper issue with that question, which is, like, no. Yeah, don't don't put the burden in the wrong place, right? Like, it's not black people's fault that slavery existed that's like asking if yeah whatever we can make you know we're not in the exact same situation but like you know it's a comparable sort of situation in terms of like why are you putting the burden on black people in this situation obviously it's everybody else who needs to step up so i think that that was a really important point to make um and that's one of the reasons why that that's probably my favorite uh, sports commentary show I like first take um, Stephen A man I can't it's like some once in a while he has some insightful shit to say about race or politics or whatever in general but like 75% of the time I'm like bro why are you like this <laughs> why are you like this like he's just uh like, he's very much an assimilationist. Like, he's very, like, apologetic. Like, he'll, he'll speak some truth. When he speaks from his experience, like, a, a lot of times that's what's insightful. But when he tries to give his analysis of broad, like, more broadly what's going on, I'm just like, no, dude, that's not what's happening. Um, but these are very deep issues, you know. Like, it's not just about um, being tased. Obviously, that's horrible. But I think what people don't understand is how deep this shit goes. Um, it's not just about one 
arrest. It's not even just about this same sort of incident of black people being mistreated by the police happening over and over again. There's a whole system that's been built, not just a system, like an industry that's been built around incarceration in this country. And, I mean, the U.S. has the biggest uh, prison system in the entire world, even though we're not even close to the country with the biggest population. You know, China has, I don't know, three or four times as many people as we do. Our prison system has by far the most inmates. And disproportionately, of course, uh, black, Native American, and Latino men are incarcerated at a much greater rate, not just a bigger number, but in a greater rate than white people. Um, so there's a huge disparity that, you know, all, just in general, people of all races are being locked up way too often. But it's very clear to anybody who's done research on this issue that um, there is racial profiling that exists, both in this extent, this is true from throughout the entire process, from the way that the laws are written and, and why they're written to the way that they're enforced by police officers and, and to the way that they're, they're sort of decided upon and, and, and convicted by judges. So it's the entire fucking system that is set up to racially profile people. And so it's, you know, when these instances come up, you know, we talk about them in these singular cases, like with Sterling Brown. And I think oftentimes people don't see how deep those issues actually go or why people are so passionate about them. So, like, well, oftentimes, like, white people's response to that is like, oh, well, he shouldn't have parked that way or he shouldn't have, you know, briefly resisted arrest or he should have shown more respect to police officers. Motherfucker, if you actually knew what was going on, or even if you like the thing is if is if you're a person of color, especially I think maybe if you're black, I don't know, uh, you don't have to have even that understanding of what's happening politically that I just explained in terms of the industry of of the prison industry, right? You have that feeling because you experience it, you experience that discrimination so you know, whether you have an understanding of the system or you just experience that sort of discrimination when these singular kind of instances pop up, it just hits you differently than, you know, if you're a white person who hasn't experienced anything like that um, and you don't have an understanding of, like, the political aspects of, like, how the private prison industry has arisen then you're going to have a bullshit fucking response to it like a lot of people who comment about, you know, well, you need to act right around cops. No, motherfucker. Like, why is the burden on everybody who... All these unarmed people. Like, the cops are the ones with all of the power. They have the guns. They have the law behind them in 99% of the cases. Even when they white officers kill people, most of the time they're not getting convicted or even in trouble at all. So, like, you know, this shit just runs a lot deeper than people want to recognize. And the fucked up thing is, is that we see in the case of Sterling Brown, is that even if you're a rich, famous athlete, 
you can still be discriminated against in this way. Like being rich, assimilating with the dominant culture, it doesn't matter. That's not going to save you from this shit, man. So like, yeah, like it, it can matter in some cases. Like the thing is, is like he's not as fucked as somebody else might be. Because he's got money, number one. He's got a platform. So people come to back him up because they know who he is. And the media gets a hold of the story and they talk about it. And so he has support, right? But this shit happens all the time. And the vast majority of people don't have that kind of platform, financial support, etc. So people, those people are just fucked. Those, those are the ones that, that's why our prison system is f- so full of people. Is because, like, in the vast majority of cases, they just end up going, you know, maybe they, they let them go in some instances. But most of the time, people are, are like, look at Meek Mill, who, <coughs> you know, was in prison because of <coughs> some bullshit. And, he, like, he just didn't even know that he was, like, on probation. So some minor thing happened. And, like, just by law, he had to, like, go to prison because even though it was a super minor thing, like... He had this outstanding, like, probation shit from, like, I think, like, decades ago that, like, he didn't even know about. Like, that, it sounds silly, but that shit happens all the time. And so there's just a large, you know, there's so many aspects to this. People want to blow it off like it's not a big issue. Like, the shit runs deep, y'all. And we can't be having these... And people want to say that it's not connected to sports, but like it is just by the fact that like look at the racial dynamics of our professional sports leagues. Like the NBA, it's a black league, y'all. Like you need to like acknowledge that. So we can't just like ignore all of these issues that are happening in particular with, with black communities if like the league is majority black and also the racial divide between like the owners and players like it's a black league in terms of players and like a lot of the coaches but like then all of the owners are white like come on like that's obviously a reflection of society and how you know the economic disparity that exists old money versus new money and who has that old money you know so like we can't act like this shit doesn't play out in sports and and, you know, I'm the kind of person, like, I don't tune into sports because I want to talk about race. It is my escape as well. So, like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this stuff all the time. But you don't have the right, especially as a white person, to get to ignore that shit. So please don't ever come at me with that argument about, oh, sports is my escape. Why do you always talk about politics? No, you don't get to have that all right like everybody deserves some space but like you can't come into these leagues you know you can't like benefit in that way from these leagues that are predominantly made up of african-american people in the case of basketball in the case of baseball it's a lot of like it's also a lot of black people and specifically like black latin american people you can't totally ignore the issues that are important to those people in those communities and just have this as some like fucking oblivious white utopia where you can forget about all your problems and the shit that you benefit from while enjoying the entertainment that's being provided to you by like black and Latino people. Like that's not what's going to happen. So I'm going to shut that argument down real quick. 
wow, okay, I kind of went off there, but, you know, it's all good, it's all good, baby, um, I'm in, the, I'm not going to tell you which city I'm in right now, but I'm in this small Michigan town, and I'm drinking my shitty McDonald's coffee, because there's, like, nowhere else to go in this shitty little town, and I need coffee every single morning, or else I feel like I want to murder somebody, so... I'm just sitting here drinking my horrible, horrible coffee, and maybe that's part of the reason why I went down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I guess that's it for this installment of The Step Back. I think there's another podcast out there that's called The Step Back, but this is the real one. This is the one that's important. So, you know, make sure you give me a follow on Twitter. Um, and I don't really have a website. This is pretty much just a podcast and Twitter. So, yeah, do those two things. Um, and I'll get my shit on iTunes soon. I've been really just kind of lazy about that because it's been more complicated than I thought it would be. So, <clears throat> hmm, this is Chicho Munoz signing off. Thank you.